It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It was hardly the magic of a cup and it wasn't exactly a magical performance against Newcastle United away from home either but some nice goals, even more confidence and five consecutive wins from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in his first five games as manager of Manchester United only. So Matt Busby has an equally good record. We are on the march with Ole's army and maybe we'll also be going to Wembley. We'll see. We're recording this immediately after United's 2-0 win against Reading at Old Trafford. We're talking Lukaku and Sanchez, Solskjaer's subs and looking back to good wins against Newcastle and Huddersfield. Jack, it was kind of a, a classic cup game of the modern era in the fact that it wasn't the most exciting of games between United and Reading, especially because we've played Reading so recently when Yapstan was manager, it kind of just felt like, oh, I'm not Reading again. But three good things, a debut for Tahith Chong, great support from L-Stand, which is an initiative from the Red Army group to get fans who want to sing all together in one stand, and a comfortable victory. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got to say, it was pretty poor performance, I thought, for a lot of the game. Reading dominated us, especially in the first half. But... It was quite a professional performance. We took our t- chances when we got them. And like like you said, FA Cup games now are as much about little things you can get out of the game, like Tahith Chong getting his debut and seeing the L-Stand flourishing, which was great. The noise from them was great the whole game. Um, and at the end of the day, in the game against a team like Reading in the third round of the FA Cup, those, those are the kind of things you're actually looking to get out of the game more. Because realistically, getting through to the next round shouldn't really ever be in question. And there was never a point today where I was worried that Things were going to go really badly, despite how poorly we played for a lot of the game. Reading had a few good chances in the second half, but in the first half didn't really create anything. And when we got our chances, we we took them really well. It was a an okay performance, but a good day out for for everyone involved, and especially the likes of Chong getting his debut. Yeah, a bit disappointing that that Jimmy Garner didn't get to make his debut because of a yeah. injury to Alexis Sanchez, which kind of stopped him being able to do that. But and I've just seen a, a tweet from Juan Mata which says we didn't play very well, and he's exactly right. It wasn't a great performance. We're recording this. 10-15 minutes after full time the game didn't finish with the same feeling that we had against Cardiff Huddersfield Bournemouth it wasn't that kind of sense of complete elation but coming into this game in the form that we were in pre-Solskjaer it would have been a kind of 
a, a hesitancy coming against Reading and the the fear of an upset. And this game is probably the most Mourinho-like in, in Solskjaer's five games so far, but it doesn't really matter. We still got two goals. There was still some nice football on show, but it, w- it was a very uneventful game. And Reading played well in terms of being solid midfield, but didn't really do much. And I think, to be fair, if we'd been against a side who were better, had more quality in attack, I think we probably could have conceded two or three, to be honest, because yeah, our defending was poor, our positioning was poor, Reading had a number of chances, but as it goes... I mean, big shock that Damian and Jones, the centre-back <laughs> partnership, wasn't the most solid that we could well, have found. Jones was okay, to be fair, but Sergio Romero, I kind of... So Romero reminded us as to why we do have the best reserve goalkeeper in the Premier League. Arsenal have Czech and Leno, but I genuinely think Romero is a level above probably half of the keepers in the Premier League and yet he's our yeah. reserve goalkeeper and we saw that he made a, a massive save with I think it was his what would it be his right leg as he bent down it was a De Gea-esque save that, that kept United at 2-0 rather than it going to 2-1 I love Romero I think he's done such a good job for the team obviously came in under not great circumstances when it it looked like De Gea was about to leave save for that wonderful fax machine um, and then and ever since then he sat, on, he sat on the bench played in all of our cup games and he's he's never really made a, a terrible mistake for United. He's always been very solid, and I, it it says a lot that when Romero is playing instead of De Gea in the cups, I never feel particularly uncomfortable with with Romero in goal. I don't feel like we are that much worse off with Romero than, than De Gea. You know, granted Romero can't pull off some of the the ridiculous saves that De Gea can, but in the bread and butter stuff for a goalkeeper, Romero is is very very good and. I never feel uncomfortable with him in there. Yeah, definitely. Going back to um, the performance, I just think today showed again why I think Matic, Herrera and Pogba will be our, our midfield three going forward because as much as I love Fred and Pereira especially, they just didn't perform well enough today and they haven't done whenever they've got their opportunities. More so in Fred's case because he's had a lot more chances than Pereira this season, but they just aren't tidy enough on on the ball at the moment and yeah, I think that's... It, it was it, it was a problem today against Reading, but that didn't really hamper us too much. But I think in against better opposition that we'd get punished. I think interestingly, the players so Rashford, Lingard, Martial, even Lukaku to a, a, a lesser extent, the players who have played under Solskjaer in the four games before this Reading game, the players who were getting at least 60, 70 minutes in those games, I think they have got into their rhythm. They look confident, they yeah. look good. And the players like Fred, who maybe has come on as a sub once or twice, Andreas Pereira and Alexis Sanchez, those are the players who still look stodgy, who still look uh, unsure themselves, who still look like they're playing for Jose Mourinho as Manchester United. They're playing, it's, it, they're all very static, they're not quick enough, they're playing at a, a lesser pace than Rashford, Lingard, etc. And I think that's part of the reason. I think Fred... Fred has definitely struggled so far and he, he specifically needs to play at a quicker pace because far too often he, he takes too long on the ball. He doesn't notice certain yeah. things going on. Massively. And at the same time, there are moments of quality from Fred which makes it seem like he might be a Manchester United player. I think that the thing that frustrates me with Fred is that his profile is exactly what we need in that midfield. Someone who is sort of in between the sort of Matic and Pogba roles who can... He's probably as close as you would get in modern football to a box-to-box midfielder. We don't really have true box-to-box midfielders like we did 10 or 15 years ago. And that profile is exactly what we need in that midfield to be that third player. It's the role that Herrera takes up for us most of the time. And I think Fred 
Fred's profile suits that role more than Herrera does, but he's just not tidy enough on the ball at the moment. He has a very good range of passing, but his t- his first touch and his dribbling just isn't isn't neat enough at the moment. And like you said, he needs too much time on the ball to get it under control and be able to play um, to be able to use his good range of passing. Yeah, now a player who. And we mentioned very briefly Romelu Lukaku, three goals in three under Solskjaer. Probably like the rest of the players on the pitch, a, a bit of a poor performance overall, but a good mm-hmm. goal. The kind of goal that Lukaku, the kind of chance that Lukaku hadn't been finishing. Probably in November, October, we were speaking a lot about the fact that Lukaku was trying to go around the goalkeeper too often instead of taking early shots and using his finishing ability. Now, this was obviously, he had to go around the goalkeeper. And this time he scored. So it's a positive. Three goals in three. Twice coming off the bench. Once starting. Hopefully this can be the start of him getting back into his rhythm. Even though his first touch looked appalling. Yes, it's basically become a football cliche now. Lukaku's first touch. (laughs) But it didn't look good. He wasn't playing up to the pace for most of the game. But that goal was excellent. Yeah, you summed it up there. Overall performance was pretty poor. Again, he he looks very, very tentative on the ball. It's almost like... I think I think there's a lot when I see Lukaku play. It's almost like the fact that he knows that he isn't the best with the ball at his feet then makes him try and be so careful with when he does have the ball and it and it ends up backfiring and just makes him play even worse. And that that's genuinely what I feel Lukaku does a lot of the time. But he did take his goal very well. It was not an easy an easy um, first touch to get that under control from a, uh, the ball coming through by Alexis. And he did really, really well with that. It was a great run as well. You can see his movement from that goal. The way he sort of ran across the front of, uh, I think it was Moore or Ilori maybe, uh, in uh, centre-back for Reading. And there was a great run, a good finish. But yeah, his overall play, again, was it just wasn't good enough, really. He broke down so many attacks. And I definitely don't think he did enough to, to warrant uh, replacing Rashford for the next game. There's no way Rashford should be taken out of that team. And yeah. Rashford has shown in, in the last few weeks that under Solskjaer's guidance, he's taken massive steps forward. And there's no way you can replace him with Lukaku after today. Yeah, I do think... So, Marcus Rashford, if you, if you think back to the FA Cup final, there was a lot of frustration at the fact that we tried to play Rashford like Lukaku. We tried to make him a target yeah. man. Um, in that cup final that we lost against Chelsea and Rashford was poor um, and unsurprisingly really now since Solskjaer's come in Rashford has been allowed to play how Rashford should play which is running at goal getting on the ball using his pace using his footwork and those long range shots as well as what he can do from inside the penalty area Romelu Lukaku I don't think he's a target man either I think he can be a target man in the sense that long kicks from De Gea or Romero for him to run onto. We saw a lot of that at Everton. He can be a target man in the sense that you play balls over the top of the defence for him to run onto. But he's not someone who you kick the ball up to and he's going to control it with his head or chest it down like Marouane Fellaini. I think he needs to start playing facing the goal in which he wants to score. So often we see Lukaku coming back deeper into midfield. He's back to the Reading goal to whoever he's playing against. And he needs to start... We need to allow him to play as Lukaku does best. What he did at Everton, what he did in his first season at United, which is, on the on, on the whole, playing off the shoulder of the defenders. How did he score against Reading? With a run off the shoulder of the defenders, run onto Alexis's ball and finishes. He's got to change. We have to change what we're seeing from Romelu Lukaku. He isn't a target man. He isn't the second coming of Didier Drogba. Absolutely, he's never he never has been a target man. It's never been been what his game is about. It's almost like coaches see his size and think, well, you have to be a target man. You're what six foot three. He's strong on the ball. 
and then they just kind of assume you have to be a target man. And when you think about probably the most famous target man of, of this sort of era of football, it's probably Olivier Giroud. And he is a true target man. Everything is with his back to goal, apart from when there's crosses coming in. He wants to get the ball to feet, bring in other people and have runners going beyond him. And that isn't Lukaku's game. First of all, he's never been good enough on the ball to play that role successfully, as we see all the time, because when the ball comes into his feet, he just isn't good enough on the ball to, to keep the attacks flowing. And that's OK. He doesn't have to be. Not all strikers are great on the ball. Even even Rashford's first touch sometimes isn't isn't great. And I don't think he could play that target man role either. But it's like he's been shoehorned into being a target man because he is because of his size. The, the, the thing I think that sums up Lukaku's, uh, Lukaku's sort of role as, as a striker in this team, what it can be, one is exactly his goal against Reading today. That run across the front of the, of the defender and then in behind, that, those are the kind of balls that he wants to be running onto. And then when we're building from, from deeper, if you think back to last season against Chelsea, the cross that he put in for Lingard's goal at Old Trafford, that sort of run down into the into the right channel, then getting the ball under control in the channel, and and that's the way he can bring other people into play through putting a cross into the box. Those runs in behind and down the channels are what Lukaku has always been great at, and like you said, facing the goal that he's scoring at and not having his back to goal. Yeah, and the, the player he was playing with today was Alexis Sanchez, who came off with what looked like a little injury, but Solskjaer says he doesn't think it's that bad and he thinks he was mainly just tired. Um but definitely looked like he got some kind of uh, injury to a, to a muscle. And he wasn't good enough against Reading, really. Neither was Lukaku. Lukaku got the goal, so he gets a bit of slack. Um, neither was pretty much anyone against Reading. Nine changes, it was pretty much expected that it would be uh, a less fluid performance than against Newcastle, Huddersfield, Bournemouth and Cardiff. Now, Sanchez, I think the thing we're seeing with Sanchez at United is that often he... I saw that. I can't remember who I saw this from on my Twitter. Is that he? He seems to play at the level of his teammates. So, I think it's because of the the level of difficulty with which he plays. So some of his passes are outstandingly good, and often they go unnoticed because the player he's passing to can't control it or can't take full advantage of what he's offered them. Now the pass for Lukaku was was brilliant, uh, well weighted, accurate, perfectly timed. Yeah perfect for Lukaku to score which he did now he plays those passes quite a lot and a lot of the time the player doesn't run onto them the player doesn't make them his teammates don't have the vision required to see the pass that Sanchez is about to make but also a lot of Sanchez's passes are powerful when they don't need to be it's why he looked good at Barcelona it's why playing alongside Meza Ozil he could look amazing in that centre forward role Whereas when he's playing with um, Romelu Lukaku, his first touch is less good. Sometimes Rashford and Martial don't see it. Juan Mata is a bit slower. I, I think he plays at the level of his teammates. Now, Mata managed to control a Sanchez ball perfectly in the build-up to one of United's best chances against Reading. But I think he, he, he it is a matter of if he was playing in a world-class setup, he would also be world-class. But if he's playing in this kind of average to good United team, that is the level that Alexis Sanchez will be at. We spoke a lot last season about the fact that so many of Alexis's attempted passes and the visions that he, the vision that he has, there's such high degree of difficulty things to do on a football pitch. Every time he gets the ball, it, it's a flick, it's a trick, it's trying to thread the the ball through the eye of a needle and, and a through ball. It, it it's all very very difficult stuff, and quite often it doesn't come off. And a lot of the time, like you like you just said, 
that isn't necessarily down to Alexis. It's because it's reliant so much on him and the other play- players around him being on the same wave- wavelength and having those same ideas. It's why him and Ozil used to, uh, in my opinion, it's why him and Ozil used to link up so well at Arsenal because both of them could see what was going on around them and both of them were always on the same wavelength. It's hard then to figure out why Alexis didn't have more success last season when he was playing with very good players like Pogba, like an informed Lukaku, like even like p- uh, people like Rashford, whose movement is very, very good off the ball. So, so I do think Alexis deserves a lot of the blame still because he hasn't been able to get on the same wavelength as, as everyone around him and he needs to adapt his game as well to who he's playing with. But at the same time, I agree with you that a lot of what he's actually trying to pull off he isn't doing anything necessarily badly when he tries to do it. It's just that everyone around him isn't on the same wavelength. I th- honestly, I think the amount of I think there's a lot of chances that Sanchez creates that we don't really notice our chances because they don't come off because of the failure of his teammates. Now Sanchez has yeah. to do a lot more. Even his short passing against Reading, where he dropped deeper, and there was a time where he passed it back to um, I think it was Fred. He passed it back to Fred. And the pass was terrible. Fred tried to pass back to him and Fred lost the ball. Now, Fred probably got blamed for that. It was definitely Sanchez's fault because a six-yard pass, he just got a little bit sloppy with. He did it, I think, three times in the space of about 10 minutes at the end of the first half. So on that front, he needs to improve. But in terms of creating chances, I do think Sanchez is is doing a pretty good job. I don't have the stats for chances created in, in any competition or whatever for United, but I would think that Sanchez is probably quite high up there despite him seemingly having bad performances now Sean Coppins on Twitter asks does Sanchez belong in this Man United squad and if so where he looks out of place at the moment he certainly does look out of place where does he belong well in the past this season we've said he should be playing at centre forward but now that Marcus Rashford is in form and we've got Solskjaer you'd think maybe a prolonged run of games at the number 10 role and give him less defensive responsibility because as he drops deeper I think he starts to make more mistakes and Sanchez is is very guilty of losing the ball often because he tries so many difficult things he is the creator of chances in the side so I think if we force him further up the pitch more often those mistakes those the times he loses the ball will be less noticeable and less impactful so if he's going to have United future I think it's going to be if he's more disciplined and stays up the pitch more I think I think number 10 probably is the role that Alexis has to be given now because he, I mean we've we've tried him pretty much everywhere else at this point I think it, he does deserve a, a run of games in, in this team because it's definitely a different United team now than it was a few weeks ago under Mourinho as, as we've all seen and so Alexis deserves a fair crack at performing in this team in the same way that everyone else has as well Yeah. the only thing I would say about him playing at number 10 is that the I would say the only the only issue that I have with it is potentially the effect it would have on our midfield because we've seen that we've been really successful with that three man midfield and especially thinking about the effect on Pogba Pogba generally hasn't played so well for United in, in a two man midfield because it doesn't give him the license to go forward but that was under Mourinho and I suspect that Solskjaer probably would allow Pogba to to still get forward even if we were playing sort of a 4-2-3-1 with Alexis in that number 10 spot and Pogba maybe alongside Matic. So I would like to see that under Solskjaer because I think the results would probably be very different than they were under Mourinho even though it would be kind of the same the same starting formation. Well interestingly as you were speaking I was scouring the internet for 
information about chances created and key passes and the only player to have made more key passes per 90 minutes this season for Manchester United is Paul Pogba unsurprisingly Alexis Sanchez has made more than every other player per 90 minutes in the United squad it doesn't really surprise me it's just the fact that a lot of those chances aren't being converted into assists and a lot of the time there's too many negatives in his game to for those positive, for those chances created to outweigh them, unfortunately. Now, we should move on from Sanchez, but hopefully he can find his form. Um, a few other things against against Reading is um, Taith Chong making his debut, the 229th player from the academy to play for the first team, 228 of those since World War Two, And since World War Two, 464 players have featured for Manchester United, meaning that the rate of academy players coming through to the first team is at 49%, which is ridiculous for a club of the size of Manchester United it's such a it's such a proud record for the club and it's now nearing 4,000 games in a row that United have had a academy player in the first team squad on every match Um, but Newcastle and Bournemouth we haven't spoken since those games Newcastle was Solskjaer's first clean sheet at a very difficult place for United in the past where we lost last season under Mourinho um and and probably one of the more difficult games under Solskjaer so far. St. James's Park, we've struggled at times, but we got a win and a deserved win and a clean sheet. Uh, whereas Bournemouth, a very positive game. Rashford, Martial, Popper looking immense as as they have done for the last five games. So two very different games. Big win against Bournemouth. Smaller margin of victory against Newcastle, but two very positive results. Newcastle was a struggle for a lot of the game. It especially the first half, Newcastle set up well. We found it really, really hard to break them down. And if Newcastle had a, a little bit better finishing from Christian Atsu, probably should have been ahead at half-time. But I think the way that we came back in, in the second half was actually great. I think we controlled the game well. Newcastle didn't really have too many chances. And, you know, we got a little bit lucky with, well, very lucky, I would say, with Lukaku's goal and getting the rebound from Dubravka. But... In games like that, you really do have to just take your chances whenever you can and stay solid at the back. And in the second half, really, off the top of my head, it was a few days ago now, but off the top of my head, I can't remember any really clear-cut chances for Newcastle where you would say they have to have scored that and we were quite lucky that they didn't. We did we did pretty well in the second half. I think they're the kind of games that, to keep, especially to keep some momentum going and just keep the confidence up, you have to just grind through and we did that and it was great to get away with the win. The Bournemouth game, I think, was was excellent. Potentially our best performance under Solskjaer so far. It was really, really good. We just looked dangerous every single time that we came forward. And again, like in the Huddersfield and Cardiff games, the main difference for, uh, compared to under Mourinho was was just all of the, the movement and the runners that we had from midfield getting so many more bodies forward into the box. And, and it's paying off every single week. Yeah, the, the the movement that we spoke about in the episodes, what was it, post, uh, post-Cardiff and post-Huddersfield, we spoke about that movement and it's just seeing four or five players in the box is just uh, so refreshing but I've just seen uh, as we mentioned earlier we are recording straight after the game we've just seen Solskjaer's comments after the game in which he says that the Tottenham game will be a reference point for where Manchester United are under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer he says we don't want to be sixth and he's very right the team head off to Dubai for a few days training camp in the warm weather having been subject to the Mancunian rain for the last few months 
which will will be nice for them and a good refresher. But yeah, the Tottenham game is massive. Uh, it's Sunday at 4.30, I think, off the top of my head, at Wembley, not at the new White Hart Lane as it was meant to be. But there we go. That is a classic Spurs move. At Wembley, um, Jack, it, it, really, it will be a tough game and it will also be a huge kind of not it's not season defining but it's it shows us whether these first five games under Solskjaer have just been a matter of poor opposition exactly this is this is it this is the the biggest game not of our season you're right it's not season definer but definitely the biggest test of, of Solskjaer's reign so far the we we spoke a, a few weeks ago about how this is it was good timing to bring in a new coach now because we had a very favorable run of fixtures you think about Solskjaer's first five games all being against very weak opposition. And now comes the real test to see whether we can put in a similar position, a similar performance, sorry, against Spurs. Spurs have been playing very, very well lately and they're going to cause us a lot of problems going forward. I'm, I am worried about what Spurs could do to us going forward because our defence has been shaky at the best of times this the whole season and, against, and under Solskjaer, even against not great attacking teams we've looked vulnerable whenever teams have really gone after us and you know with the quality that Spurs have in that in that front three or four that that could be real trouble for us so I'm very intrigued to see how we'll set up I hope we don't play any more defensively because at, at the end of the day I don't think our defense is good enough even when we play defensively and we need to score goals to win this game we're not going to keep a clean sheet so we have to go out there be positive and try and build on the confidence that we've that we've built up in the last few weeks. Yeah, United come into this game confident, but Spurs come into this game with massive confidence off the back of a 7-0 win against Tranmere in the Cup, off the back of kind of briefly being seen as title challenges. And then I think that lasted about a day, but they've been on a run of very good form. Harry Kane's in, in good form. The rest of their player, Human Song, is in unbelievable form. I'm not sure whether he'll be at the Asian Cup by the time we get to that game. I, I think I remember seeing that uh, he's going to stick around until the United game, but I'm not actually sure. Gutting. Because I, th- I I genuinely think Spurs without Hyunmin Song is half the opposition because he, he yeah, creates so much space big, for Kane and, and brings Deli Ali and Christian Eriksen into the game. Well, but, and when Son isn't playing, it means that you can just focus all your attention on Kane pretty much, at least from the defenders. Obviously, the midfielders, yeah. they need to look, look out for Eriksen and Deli. Yeah, definitely. And given our defensive frailties, I think that's a big thing. I think we've seen... There have been defensive errors in the games against Reading, Newcastle, Huddersfield, Bournemouth, Cardiff. There have been serious issues that kind of have not been capitalised on by the opposition to a large extent, but everyone has been able to see them. And I don't think anyone's hiding from that either. I think everyone has admitted that after each game. Everyone said, look, we've won 4-1, we've won 2-0, we've won by whatever scoreline. But there are clearly issues in that defence. And I think Spurs will could cause havoc in that defence. So... It's going to be a very tough game, but it's kind of it's also it's also important to think about or to to note who Solskjaer starts in that game because it it seems unlikely that he'll keep Lukaku in the side given the form that Rashford is in. It seems unlikely that Sanchez will start even though he has a great record at Wembley, and that's kind of that 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 in a way is defining of the the starts of the Solskjaer area at least. And uh, Ek Yogoala asks on Twitter. He says, Pereira and Fred are just not ready to take over from Matic and Herrera. Right back, centre back, centre forward and right wing are all up for grabs against Spurs. Which players come in to give us a chance of a win at Wembley? Now, right back, I think, should be Diego Dallo. Stick with him. 
but I think Solskjaer might go with Ashley Young. As for the centre-backs, I think Jones and Lindelof has proved to probably be, scarily <laughs> at the moment, is probably, probably our best defensive pairing. We'll move on to the other positions in a minute, but in terms of the, the back four, who would you start with? I would probably go with Darlow, Jones, Lindelof and Shaw as well, but I actually wouldn't wouldn't mind, wouldn't be too opposed to Ashley Young playing. I, I don't think Darlow had his best game today, and I think defensively he still looks quite yeah. shaky. Not Not that Young is amazing defensively either but I just think Young is at least a little bit less adventurous and he at least I think will be a little bit more solid in that right back position I just really don't want Damian or Valencia to play yeah definitely I think uh, we, we didn't mention Antonio Valencia's terrible game against Newcastle where yeah. all of his passes were either sideways or backwards he he is stuck in the Louis van Gaal era let alone the Mourinho era now centre forward and right wing I think centre forward Marcus Rashford no doubt about that yeah not even a question for me yeah unbelievable form the the best form of his career and the excitement that we get from Rashford simply touching the ball is is just immense compared to any other player but right wing is an interesting one because we have we have options in terms of Jesse Lingard Juan Mata I think we'll see a midfield three of Pogba Matic and Herrera which means Martial on the left Rashford up front and who goes on the right wing it's basically a choice between Lingard and Mata now Lingard is a hard worker but Mata is fantastic at times in big games but I think Solskjaer will probably go with Lingard because of the quality that Spurs have in Eriksen, Ali, Son in the kind of opposite number to Lingard so I think he might be used particularly to protect Dallow or Young or whoever it is. Yeah I'd, I'd be pretty shocked if it's not a front three of Lingard, uh, Martial and Rashford and I think Lingard deserves that to be fair he's played very well under Solskjaer and like you said I think defensively he just offers a little bit more than matter because he will have to do some defending. Down Spurs is left flank. Help out whoever plays at right back, whether that's Young or Darmian. And going forward as well, I think Lingard offers us a little bit more on the counter attack. Obviously, Mata has a lot more has a lot more quality than Lingard on the ball. But I think on the counter, Lingard's pace and directness on the ball will help us a lot. Yeah, prediction. It's a tough one. I'm not going to be too negative. I'm going to go straight down the middle. I'll say a one-all draw. I think I think most people would take a one-one draw to be honest, because it would show that we are at least level with the good teams again having been comprehensively beaten by in fact not I wouldn't say comprehensively beaten by Liverpool but we were I mean pretty comfortably beaten by Liverpool even though two of their goals came from deflections and we're not going to talk about Liverpool and City potentially winning the league I think that will be a a topic that is not mentioned at all on this podcast we'll try to stay clear of that um but yeah I think I think a draw would would show that United are certainly near the level of the rest of the top four um I'm going to go for a, a 2-1 Tottenham win. So much more pessimistic than you. But I think I think that might be what you were thinking in your head but didn't really want to say. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I just, my head tells me that we probably will lose to Spurs um, and on paper we definitely should. But I just think the confidence we have at the moment is making me a little bit more positive. Yeah, it's true. I, don't, I mean, given how I feel coming into this game compared to how I felt or how I would feel if we were going into this game with the same manager. It's, I mean, they're just on a different level. Um, I'm, yes, I'm, genuinely, exactly. I'm looking forward to the Tottenham game. I mean, who would have thought? I'm looking forward to a United game. It just is 
it is all different but that's all we have time for on series four episode 21 of the manchester united weekly podcast thank you for listening as always and happy new year i hope you all had a good christmas slash new year um you can find more from us on twitter you can find jack on twitter at at utd tate t-a-i-t and you can find me at at harry robinson 64 and the podcast itself at at utd weekly pod that's pod at the end there the reds are off to dubai you're probably going back to work or school um oh well life isn't fair have a great week goodbye Network.